0: Welcome to the inaugural edition of Talk CXO Life, where we get to you stories of leaders, achievers, CXOs who have discovered a passion beyond their professional avatar. My name is Sunayana, and I'm excited to present to you all our very first guest, Salil Murthy, known to most as Country Head General Mills India. Salil was recently adjudged as among the best 40 entrepreneurs in India under 40 by the Fortune India magazine. But refreshingly, it isn't his corporate moves alone that define him. Salil is an avid runner, having run some of the biggest marathons in the world, a passionate golfer, and he's won a couple of golf tournaments too. What we found remarkable about Salil was both his humility, dynamism, as well as doggedness and perpetual sense of curiosity. Come, let's understand how Salil manages to achieve such a fine, between work and life, if you may categorize it so, and the challenges he overcame in his journey so far. Please join me in welcoming Salil Murthy. Hi Salil, thank you for joining us at CXO Life. Now, in the public domain, there are multiple roles, uh, you know, that you're associated with professionally as this young leader who has given this um, magical spin to General Mills India, reportedly tripling its growth. Uh, then, of course, as this well-documented love for your running and your passion for golf. How would you say that these have come together to define you? Thanks for having me here, first of all. Uh, it's um, an absolute pleasure.
1: I think um, it goes back to uh, you know, how you see yourself and how, what are the roles you kind of see being dominant in your life. And as I kind of see it, I see uh, I have five dominant roles in my life, right? And they all kind of come together to kind of make who I am, make me authentic. Um, so I'm a husband. Um, I'm a father. Um, I'm a leader at work. I'm a runner and I'm a golfer. And as I kind of think about it, it's a combination of uh, what it is that I like to do, Mm -hmm. what it is that I'm good at, what it is that kind of gives me satisfaction. And I think once you have that clarity, all of it kind of comes together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know, people talk about work-life balance and say, you know, how do you manage work and how do you manage life? I think that's a little bit of a false binary in many Mm -hmm. ways. because. Uh, the concept of work-life balance doesn't exist, right? There are the, you, you have to work on weekends sometimes, and sometimes you can go and watch a movie in the middle of the week, and that's perfectly okay, right? And uh, it should be okay. Uh, so uh, how you kind of balance
0: all these five roles for me is, I think, the critical bit. Uh, right. Now, how uh, we'd love to know how do you balance it?
1: Right. No, and I think I think the, the important bit is that having the clarity of these five roles helps you make the priorities that you want. So for example, um, if I I, I I want to make sure as a good father I spend as much time with my son as possible, he's seven, um, and therefore I'm very clear that I'm not going to live very far away from where I work so I don't get uh, stuck in commute and I can maximize the time that I spend with him. So that's a priority that comes from this role, being ensuring that uh, being a good husband, uh, is really, really important to me. So my wife and I make sure we take time off to go off on holidays with each other, uh, and really make sure that we have the support system that enables that, right? Running is an important part. So I know that there are specific days of the week and specific times where mm-hmm. running takes priority over everything else. So I think once you're really clear about these roles mm-hmm. uh, I think your priorities kind of begin to follow. And then that's how you begin to plan your schedule and then what also means is a whole bunch of things that I will say I will not do right so if I need to run on a Sunday morning it means I will not go out late on a Saturday night with my friends because that's the choice so there are calls on what I can do and then there are very clear calls on what I can't do in order to be kind of uh, consistent
0: if you could take us through your life journey so far what were the most significant turning points of your life uh, it could have been you know when you begun uh, began these roles that define you
1: mm, that's a good question um, i probably say there were three um all of them i think involve uh, journeys in some way i think the first one was uh when uh, bharti my wife and i got married and moved to Singapore at the same time, right? And I think that was a turning point, a little bit a watershed moment in our lives in many ways, uh, because uh, you know I we moved to a different country with my best friend. Uh, you know, we're uh, uh, a whole bunch of experiences that we kind of uh, had in Singapore, kind of had a had a son there, had Vihan mm-hmm. there as well, um, and, and just the kind of learning and the experiences and the exposure that we got in the 11 years that we were. Uh, living and working in the region are absolutely fantastic so I think that was one but I think equally then the second journey was coming back to India uh, which was about three and a half years ago and we made that conscious decision to come back Uh, it's been one of the most rewarding decisions that we made again in terms of uh, you know uh, getting back uh, to where we we are from Uh, we both were born and brought up here and getting back to our roots in many ways Uh, getting closer to family and having my son kind of grow up with an extended family with his grandparents and cousins and so on and so Th- that's incredibly important, uh, and then just the kind of the, you know the work. So my wife's a dancer, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's uh, you know she's she's, no. prof- she's a Bharatanatyam dancer. Like. She's a professional Bharatanatyam dancer, so she's able to perform a lot here as well. Uh, so then again, I think that was a, a, a significant kind of phase. I think I think the other turning point in many ways kind of goes back to uh, I think when I completed my first marathon. I think that was a physically and emotionally uh, strenuous experience, Uh, that taught me a lot about who I am, that taught me a lot about what one can do and taught me kind of what limits one has, Uh, so that was a pretty, that is a pretty profound moment for me.
0: We'll get back to that later. You know, somewhere all of us, um, I believe, are are on a lookout for discovering life's meaning, our purpose. For someone who has gotten it so well together, would you say that you got it figured? Um, Was there a process to it that you would like to share?
1: Uh, No, first of all, uh,
0: I haven't figured it out, no, I haven't figured it out.
1: And secondly, I think Sunaina, I'm not sure that uh, one should be necessarily uh, in the pursuit of kind of figuring it all out. I think in uh, many ways, the journey is the destination. I mean, if you go back and say, um, all of us are kids, and when we were kids, uh, uh, say my son's age, people ask him all the time, what is it that you want to do when you grow up, right? And then. You grow up a little bit more, and when you're maybe 16 or 17, you get asked the same question. What is it that you want to do? And the, the, the question behind the question is, have you figured out what it is that you want to do? Have you figured out your life's purpose? And uh, it's really interesting. You have a clarity when you're 5 or 6 or 7 that you don't have when you're 16 or 17. And that clarity cont- that continues to become more and more diffuse as you kind of grow along. Some of the most successful people I know in this world still don't know what they want to do with their lives. Right? So I think there is—it's uh, it's a little overvalued in terms of kind of finding, a, uh, in terms of this whole finding a purpose. I think what's important is finding what it is that you love doing, and that's a process of really finding out what you're good at, finding out what kind of really excites you and what uh, makes you passionate and the way to get there I think is all about uh, you know continue to be curious mm-hmm. continue to go down those rabbit holes and find out where they lead continue to explore the kind of the edges and the interstices and uh, at some point I think you'll kind of uh, figure stuff out at least that's my philosophy I don't think there's a grand overarching purpose that is waiting for us to kind of figure out I think the process is the most important part
0: That's a great point I think that you made on you know the the clarity we had when we were kids we were also very curious when we go kids, isn't it? Which I think is a uh, it would be the right time to speak about how you were. I mean, how was your childhood? Um, who influenced you the most?
1: My parents, no question. Uh, they, um, the incredibly smart, uh, in, they, they pushed us really, really hard. They had extraordinarily high standards. Um, uh, they were very clear that uh, bad grades would not be tolerated. They were very clear that uh, slacking off. That's not good. Uh, So yeah, they were definitely, I think, huge influences in the way I kind of lead at work as well, which is uh, setting a big goal. Uh, They gave me a lot of freedom to, a lot of of, uh, uh, slack, a lot of rope to kind of go out and explore. And I think that's pretty much the way I lead, which is uh, set high standards and empower people to kind of go out and achieve. So I see a very strong uh, influence from uh, my upbringing and growing up
0: with how it is I am at work. Was it a joy um, or an interest that you want to take up when you were younger and you couldn't, uh, uh, do you still pursue it? Uh, Is there something like that which you really enjoyed doing when you were young?
1: Oh, there were were a whole bunch of things, I think. And I think uh, part of it was that uh, I've always been uh, super curious. I've always been trying to figure out, uh, I remember when I was pretty young, one of my stated goals was to know everything there was in the world. Now, I'm not mm, not even remotely close to being there, right? But, uh, you know, I read a lot. Uh, my parents had this wonderful uh, set of world book encyclopedias. Right? I think we all grew up with uh, yes. that. And uh, obviously no television, uh, no uh, internet. Mm-hmm. And what I used to do was actually read those books cover to cover, right? And it was just curiosity. Uh, and uh, I ended up knowing a lot more about the world than I probably wanted to or you know, intended to. And that really helped. So one of the things that uh, strangely enough it helped was I figured out I was actually pretty good at quizzing. So I've done a lot of quizzing in my school, in my college, which I really enjoyed. And most of it was because just the curiosity, right? It's just going out and kind of asking why, why, why and meeting uh, people like that. And uh, yeah, that was one of the things that I genuinely enjoyed doing in school and uh, college. Wow. Do you intend to maybe get back to it someday, quizzing? Again, I think I I would love to, to be honest. I think it's just a huge uh, time commitment. And again, I think something will give. I, if I really want to go out and say, a Sunday and go out and quiz, something's going to give, either family time or something else. So, yeah, it's a choice I've uh, kind walking of made. A thin rope, right? I'm walking a really tight rope. But I will tell you this. Um, a few years ago, my parents uh, wanted to get rid of those World Book Encyclopedias. <laughs> and I said, no, no, no give them to me. So we actually have them here at home. Um, so do I. i have uh, store all of them. Exactly. I, I'm never going to get rid of them. The, collection. They're collector pieces. They're, they're collector pieces, yeah
0: now speaking about the current joys of your life, Salil, why do you run and how did it become a passion?
1: Um, so I, I started running I think for the most uh, mundane and silly of reasons which is um, I started working and I was not eating well and I was travelling a lot and I was putting on weight and I said I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shirts weren't fitting very well anymore and uh, I began to run. and. Um, the, the funny thing was I couldn't. You know, it looks really easy. I did about, I think, a kilometer on the treadmill, and I, I was I was collapsing, and that really, really annoyed me. And uh, I'm uh, reasonably competitive that way, so I said, okay, let me keep trying again. And I kept running a little bit more at a time. And at some point, I figured out I genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, there's this thing that... Um, um, runners and athletes call, you know, just flow, where you kind of just get into the rhythm of, yeah. of of running, and you really enjoy the process. And I figured out that you know you can get get to that point in running where absolutely just enjoying, you're at peace with the world. It's it's uh, you, you can run really well, and then it became less about necessarily the fitness and the weight loss. That actually became a happy byproduct, if you will. It became more about, you know, just the joy of running uh, by yourself and uh, just going out. I think the other aspect is the competitive aspect, which is uh, really saying, um, look, there's a distance I need to run. There's a half marathon I want to run. There is a full marathon I want to run. I want to go and run in this particular race. And that became another motivator for me. And uh, I realized it's just something that uh, I love doing.
0: What did you discover uh, about yourself, Salil, you know, when you took to running? What was the one aspect, one or two aspects that you thought um, didn't really exist in you but there it was Voila, you know, you started running and uh, you surprised yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing I discovered about myself was uh, uh, just, uh, uh, just the bloody mindedness if you will, right? One of my uh, uh, mentors once told me, look, I always knew you were a smart guy, but you know, I never thought you had the application to really kind of uh, put, in, put in the hours. And uh, he was pleasantly surprised that I could actually do a marathon because uh, that is, I think, probably one of the ultimate tests of mental and physical doggedness, right? And it's all about when your body's ready to give up and your uh, mind is ready to give up, how can you convince yourself to do that extra kilometer, couple of kilometers, keep pushing the pace? Um, so I learned that about myself. I learned how to push myself, uh, how to play the little tricks in my mind uh, to make sure that I get through the next uh, three or four
0: kilometers to get over that next hill. Um, yeah, it was it pretty interesting. When did you decide to run uh, your first marathon? How did it come about?
1: I started off by doing a 10K and then I said, hey, I can do a 10K, maybe I can do a 21, 21 and then I said, maybe I can do a little bit more. Uh, I think, yeah, sometimes I, I didn't think too much about it, you know, in retrospect it was kind of foolish. I did one twenty-one kilometre and said, yeah, how hard can this be? Just uh, run twice the distance. It was very hard. It was extraordinary hard. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, uh, being a little dumb about uh, what it actually meant and then just going ahead and doing it.
0: So when you began running, did you have like a circle around you who was already into running, whom you looked up to, or was it all self-driven?
1: Yeah, so when I started off it was just solo, it was just, uh, I trained by myself, I figured out my nutrition plans by you know going on the internet and putting together stuff. Yeah, it was just uh, pulling stuff together by myself, so there wasn't anybody particular I kind of looked up to and said, this is what I want to do, it was just by myself.
0: How many marathons have you run so far?
1: So, oh, I've done about, I think, uh, 9 or 10 so far.
0: 9 or 10, and uh, which ones were there? Um, any prominent ones?
1: Look, I've done. Um, I've done some some really fun races. Uh, I did uh, Amsterdam, I think about a year ago. There was New York, there was Chicago. I've done the Edinburgh Marathon. Uh, I've done uh, a couple in Singapore as well, mm-hmm. and then a couple more, of, a couple more of the smaller ones. But these were the big ones that were really fun.
0: What is the most memorable run so far? Anything that particularly stands out in your memory? You know.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Every mar, every single marathon, yes. somewhere around the 32nd kilometer, I uh, think to myself. I'm such an idiot, why am I doing this? I'm never going to run another marathon in my life. And the minute the marathon's over, I'm looking, okay, what's the next race I can run? And every single runner is like that. Uh, It's hard while you're doing it, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, every marathon is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, The conditions are different and your body is different and the way you react is different. But I think what's good is you kind of learn about what works for you and what doesn't, what kind of nutrition works for you, what kind of hydration works for you, what kind of mental thoughts Mm -hmm. work for you at what point in the race. And once you're able to figure that out, It doesn't really get easy it never gets easy but it it gets a little smoother
0: uh, to get to the finish line. Was there any particular race which was so strenuous that you said you know that's it I'm not going to run another race (gasps) in my life. I think New
1: York was that New York was that one. Uh, It's a tough race and mostly because it goes through the five boroughs Mm -hmm. of uh, New York uh, and uh, they're connected by bridges Mm -hmm. and the uh, the thing about the bridges, uh, they're, they're really big bridges and then you, there's a steep incline that you, you go up. And uh, that really takes the mickey out of you. That really takes a lot of out of your legs. And I think I went out with my friend, and we were in good shape. You know, we were in really good physical shape. So we went out too fast. We were a little too overconfident, I think. Uh, And we went out really fast. We had a great half marathon, and we were laughing and giving each other high fives. And then we hit the bridges, and then it was was horrible from there. Because we were crawling up the bridges, and uh, uh, we were really struggling to get through. And then there were these rolling hills. And there was a whole bunch of people kind of cheering you on, but we were a little bit in the haze. You know, there's just haze going all around, and uh, I, there's one particular sign. I've never been so glad to see, you know, these spectators hold up these placards. And the one placard I've never been so happy to see in my life is one lady holding up a placard saying, Last Damn Bridge. And I was like, Thank God. I don't think I could take any more of this. Uh, yeah, so I think we staggered across the finish line and I literally collapsed into the arms of a volunteer. She kind of put me into blanket and kind of took me into the recovery area. That was a really, really hard race, but that was a fun race. Wow,
0: that's a pretty incredible experience. Now, uh When you look at, uh, after running a marathon, is there a moment that you sit to analyze it? When is that point, you know, when you get to analyzing a marathon? Or do you just simply allow yourself to kind of sink in the euphoria of, you know, having completed the race?
1: Oh yeah, look, it's both. So first of all, uh, the day after the marathon, you think you're the king of the world, right? Uh, You walk around. This is always this debate that runners have, which is, how long is it? Value to still wear your medal <laughs> uh, after the race because you just don't to take off the medal, right? It's right. just so cool. But uh, the analysis is all the time. You go through your data, your data and you really say, look, what happened at this kilometer? Why did I run fast or slow? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened from a nutrition standpoint? Should I have hydrated better? And, and that's important. I mean, you need to be kind of getting into those feedback loops to kind of get better. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of it
0: sure um, nutrition is you know very important when you're training for marathons so would you like to share with us what is the dietary regime that you follow ahead of a marathon and also if you could just let us know in terms of your training what is it that you do
1: so in terms of nutrition, um, I'm generally pretty easy with what I eat. Um, as I kind of, you, you get closer to the marathon, uh, uh, I just make sure my protein intake is good. Um, that's, I think, the critical bit. There's obviously a little bit of the carb loading that you do just before the marathon, which is uh, okay. Um, but I think it's important to make sure you're the day of the marathon, you're, you've eaten enough, maybe three or four hours before, which is maybe a peanut butter sandwich or something with carbs and fats and fat, proteins. Um, uh, maybe a, a banana or so just before the race starts. And then during the race, I have the gels which kind of keep me going. So um, it goes back to, you know, after about 9 or 10 runs, I figure out what works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the kind of food my stomach will tolerate? What was the frequency at which I need to kind of take a gel? You kind of figure some of these things out. And uh, that, that's, uh, that, that works. That said, I'm not... Um, uh, as uh, uh, fussy about exactly you know what to eat. I mean, I eat rice, I eat pasta. I'm I'm easy. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not that fussy about what I eat and how much I kind of feel before.
0: Right. And what about in terms of your physical training? How do you begin and how do you amp up your uh, training schedule?
1: So I, there are specific training plans that I use. Um, The first part for me is really all about getting the speed and getting the strength in my legs. Uh, So a lot of uh, shorter runs, a lot more speed workouts, hills, which I do, which gives me the strength, intervals. And then uh, as you kind of get closer, you start doing some of the longer runs to kind of get the miles into your legs, Um, depending upon the race. So. Uh, For New York, I actually did a lot more hills because I knew it's hilly. Not that it particularly helped me, but I did that anyway. Uh, I'm doing Berlin in September, which is a flat course, so I'm focusing a lot more on speed. Um, And then you amp up the distance. So there's a progression that you kind of maintain, longest runs on Sundays. You mix it up during the week, uh, maybe a short run, maybe a tempo run, and so on and so forth as you kind of get there. Uh, But the, the thing I try to do is make sure I get my long runs in. That's probably the most critical aspect of it. Uh, I think more than the physical thing, Mm -hmm. I think it's a mental thing. Because once you've you've done the 30, 32 kilometers, it sticks. And so when you actually get into the race, you say, OK, I've got it. I mean, at least for 35 kilometers, I should be sorted. Mm -hmm. I'll figure the rest out when I get
0: there. So I think it's more the mental thing than anything else. OK, now for some questions, quick questions in terms of uh, some stats. What's the best timing that you've clocked? Uh, 3 hours, 41 minutes. And for the half marathon?
1: Oh my half is about, I think
0: uh, it's about one forty. Is there an ideal uh, you know, time that you're targeting? Uh, th-
1: uh, so less than 3.30 would be great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That's, that's really my goal. Thank you. I, the eventual goal is to qualify for Boston. Um, yeah, I'm still a little away from that goal. So I'll get to three thirty first first and then figure so it out. Like, Would that be like a 2020 version or something to achieve that timing? Right? I'm just hoping to do it sometime in my life because as you grow older, mm-hmm. it the, the time becomes the time bar becomes a little lower. So I'm hoping that I'm just waiting for like just to grow a little older and then get it down to maybe a 320 or something and then see if I can squeak and so that's the strategy. I'm just waiting it out.
0: Was there one defining moment when you realized that you know you'd probably be running forever? No, I don't.
1: But I I mean, I don't remember exactly what that moment was. But I think it was when you know you you're you're running and. uh, you know, one of those long runs, and it, it just becomes effortless, right? right you know, there's this period where you, it becomes effortless. You're, 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 you just feel happy about what it is that you're doing, yeah. and I think it's that that feeling that you crave when you kind of run. I gotta tell you, very very few runs are like this. Most runs are hard, especially in weather like we have in Bombay. Uh, it's not necessarily particularly easy, but I think there come those moments when you run uh, where. You know, things are good, it's easy and there's, you're in the flow a little bit and uh, yeah, that's, that's the bit that keeps you coming back. It's pretty similar to golf in many ways, where you can have a complete rubbish round and then right towards the end of the round, it happens to every golfer, you hit one good shot, just one good shot, and that's why you come back and play the next time, it, it happens all the time.
0: But there still seems to, there seems to be some kind of contrast there, isn't it, in terms of uh, when you're running, you have um, a, a lot more control in terms of the variables vis-a-vis uh, while playing golf, and still you seem to kind of manage to ace both Ah, uh, yeah, no, look, I think you're right. I think um, you do
1: have a little bit more control over the variables in terms of uh, training and so on and so forth. What, where I think both of them are pretty similar is beyond a certain point, it's much more a mental game than it's a physical game. So in golf, for example, it's not. uh, there's a saying in golf, it's not how far you drive the ball, it's the six inches between your ears that actually matter. It's completely a mental game. It's all about keeping your nerves, it's all about the confidence that you have to go for your shots. Uh, Running a game becomes very much like that. You've done the miles, you've put in the hard work, uh, the last 10 kilometers of a marathon are always mental they're less physical than mental uh, for, for most people I mean it's not it's easy physically but it's the mental piece that is going to kind of keep you going uh, so yeah so I think those are the big commonalities
0: especially in
1: uh, these two sports
0: right what would you advise peaceal to anyone who wants to maybe run a marathon, but thinks it's beyond them, you know, for whatever reason that they think. Maybe it's the age, maybe it's uh, the fitness levels. So what would your advice be to them?
1: Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a great question. I think the answer is, like, is surprisingly easy. It's just show up. Right, just get out there and do it. We have a running group. I'm part of a running group here and uh, There's one of the, one of uh, one of the runners. He's not the fastest runner. He's not the best runner in terms of technique uh, But I'd say he's one of the most accomplished runners and in terms of his progress It's just the most startling and the only reason is he comes every single one of the four days of the week that we run He's there no matter wind or rain or sun uh, He's there And he just keeps getting better, and he doesn't run the fastest or the fastest or anything like that. And I think that's just the important bit is just show up, make it uh, just that discipline and the persistence. And I think uh, you'll surprise yourself. That's how I started. I made sure that I did those three or four runs, whether I was traveling or, you know, whether I wasn't feeling a little well, or if it was raining. uh, I hate running in the rain. Um, But just go out there and get it done. And uh, I think after a few months, the transformation just happened. So I think, just show up. That's my advice.
0: The key key being, I think, you know, we need to kind of set up uh, um, personal milestones rather than looking at somebody else and seeing how much he's clocking, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's very much internal. It's what what it is that you want to do. uh, Just because uh, he runs uh, an ultra marathon doesn't necessarily mean that my success is defined by running an ultra marathon. My success could be running five kilometers, and that's brilliant. That's perfectly valid. And I think it's important exactly like you said, which is figure out what your definition of success is, but then put in the work to make it happen.
0: Okay. What are your favorite running tracks across the world uh, in Mumbai? Uh,
1: I, okay, so my all-time favorite running track is in uh, Sydney. It's the one that goes around the Opera House, which is just a stunning piece of architecture, and then goes through the Botanical Gardens and the hills and the you know the, the trees, and it's it's really really pretty. Um, and then you come back on and you're running past the quay with the with the, with the, the water beside you, and. Uh, uh, that's just just a really beautiful part of the world to run in, so I really love that. Um, uh, uh, Amsterdam was really nice as well. Running through Amsterdam was a really nice experience as well. Um, Edinburgh was very nice because you start in the town in the Scottish uh, uh, town in the middle of the city, then you run through the countryside and you're running through past cows and beaches, and uh, that was another very very different one. So the fun bit I think about running races across the world is you just get to see a lot more
0: of the the city than otherwise you get to. Sure, and um, how do you run? Do you run with your music, huh? Uh,
1: I run with music. I run with music uh, uh, which uh, I think primarily helps me because uh, strange, uh, I'm very much a, a, a cl- classical. I'm very much a rock kind of a guy, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit of alternative, but that's about it. But when I run, I listen to EDM kind of stuff. And the only reason to, I listen to EDM, and strangely, I started to enjoy it, is because of the beats. Okay. Um, when you run, you want to get to a cadence of about 160, 170, 175 beats per minute, and the this music has the beats, which make sure that my cadence is running well. And strangely I started appreciating the music as well, so I always run with music.
0: Which is your favorite pair of running shoes? So,
1: um, so the ones that I've been running in for many years are the Adidas Boost series. Um, and the reason I run is they provide me with the right level of cushioning. Yeah. I tend to pronate a little bit on my left, and it's got a mid mid cushion, which kind of makes sure that I get the stability. But it's not too cushioned, so I can kind of actually feel, you know, whether I'm landing on my forefoot or landing on my heel. So I still get that that feedback. Um, and they're really light, and uh, they look nice as well, <laughs> uh, which is the, a good combination. So. Um, I, I had a couple of injuries, and I think mostly it because I didn't have the right uh, shoe in terms of balance. But ever since I switched to these, um, I'm, I'm pretty loyal to them. They're, they're fantastic shoes. How
0: important is?
1: Super important.
0: You kind of take it for granted, right? And then afterwards, Absolutely. like you said, injury comes in. Absolutely,
1: and that's the danger, right? Absolutely. That's the danger because you've got repetitive uh, um, uh, impact happening on on your joints, and uh, you prevention of injury is super
0: important. Have you ever? Tried or are you intend to try barefoot running? No,
1: um, I don't. Uh, so, first of all, I think the science, the jury on the science is out on that. It was a craze. There were a whole bunch of people right. who started off doing this barefoot running. A lot of them got injured as well. And I know personally some friends who've gotten injured. But I think the science is out on that a little bit in terms of. Um, does it actually impact uh, the joints, what's the stress that you get? Mm-hmm. Um, more importantly for me, I'm pretty comfortable with the shoes that I have. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to switch too much um, around it, so I'm not planning to go that way.
0: Have you had any eureka moments, uh, You know, Salah, when you run? Do you get ideas you know, that strike you from nowhere? I won't say, I'd hesitate to say eureka moments,
1: <laughs> um, but you know, I think I get uh, clarity. I get clarity and, you know, you. they say your best thoughts come in the shower. Mm-hmm. I get my best thoughts when I'm running, to be honest with you. And I think it's mostly because um, um, your subconscious kicks in, right? You're kind of running, you're a little bit in autopilot road, you let your thoughts kind of roam. I think when your subconscious kicks in, you kind of think about angles to the problem that otherwise you wouldn't consider when you're fully on. And that's what I tend to do. So when I have a problem, I tend to percolate on it a little bit and when I go out for a run, I. Sometimes, not every time, but I sometimes come up with ways that I probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a little bit of the personal space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're always, uh, the way I like to define it is all our corporate jobs mm-hmm. are filled with what I call incoming. Mm-hmm. Right? There's always a phone call, there's always an email, there's always some guy coming with some crisis or a meeting request or something like that. And uh, your days are full with incoming stuff and i think carving out that space to kind of think a little bit is critical now how you do it is you can go and lock yourself up in a room uh or a monastery or you can go and figure out other ways to do it uh my preferred way of doing that is running is that's that's one out of my time.
0: now coming to golf how and when did you chance you know upon golf
1: that's a great question. Uh, we were in Singapore, and there were a bunch of our friends, uh, us, four or five of us, who uh, decided that it would be an interesting sport to play. And uh, we also thought it was an easy sport to play. Mm-hmm. So we went to the driving range, I think, and I remember one of us took, I won't say who, uh, took uh, 14 swings at the ball without actually hitting the ball once, <laughs> and we realized this wasn't as easy as it looked. Uh, and so, yeah, and uh, then we started playing, and um, I, I really began to enjoy the sport so yeah it's been about 10 years now how was your first shot by the way my first shot Yeah. it was terrible <laughs> it was terrible I think it was a grounder that didn't get up more than a foot off the, the ground it was it was terrible but I think and that's the, the, the beauty of golf um, uh, Unlike in necessarily a, a, a tennis or a cricket, for example, it's unlikely that everybody can go and play at Lord's where, you know, uh, Sachin Tendulkar can play or any of the greats can play. Uh, pretty much every golfer can go and play on the great courses of the world. Pretty much every golfer can sometimes hit shots that the pros can only dream of doing. I mean, if you have a fast bowler coming at you right now and bowling a ball, it's unlikely you're going to be able to hit him for a six and average joke. But every now and then there's an amateur golfer who actually hits a shot that a pro would love to hit and that's the beauty of the game that i love that every now and then there are these moments of perfection that you get uh, that make it all worthwhile
0: how often do you go uh, you know, golfing
1: not as often as i would like to
0: uh, maybe a couple of times a month you know between running and golfing um playing golf uh is there a particular one that you would uh, prefer over the other, as in, is a clear favorite, or something that I enjoy more. Because I mean, running, is something that you know is more accessible, right? You put on your shoes and you run. But if it came to a point when you really want to do something, what would it be? Would it be running or uh, playing golf?
1: It's, it's, it's a good question. There have been times when I've been extraordinarily frustrated on the golf course and say I hate this game. And then I love running more. Mm-hmm. There have been times at the end of a long run where I say, I'm not doing this next Sunday, I'm going
0: to play golf. So it really depends, to be honest. I love and hate both of them equally. I <laughs> <laughs> love equally. Do you aspire to take part in any tournaments, in any golf tournaments? Uh, I believe you've uh, won a couple of them in Singapore um, and in 2016 as well. Could you take us through Uh, You know which ones you've won?
1: No, so um, there have been a couple of tournaments that I have won when I was uh, in Singapore mm-hmm. and uh, I think about a year and a half ago I won um, 2016. the 2016 I won the Turkish Airlines Open uh, for Bombay and uh, represented India in uh, Turkey mm-hmm. in the world finals, the world amateur finals so uh, yeah, I mean there are these tournaments that keep coming around every now and then these corporate tournaments and these amateur tournaments um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily uh, good enough to win them or even consistently but they're always fun. They're always fun.
0: Is there any specific one you're really
1: targeting? Uh, from an, an amateur level, I mean, look, there are always corporate tournaments that uh, mm. come along. Uh, every now and then the, I flirt with the idea of saying, you know, if I take six months and really work hard at my game, maybe I could take a shot at turning professional. But then sanity comes back and I realize there's no way I should give up my day job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's no tournament to such that I aspire to play. Uh, but uh, I mean, it, that's not why I play the game. Um, uh, I play it because I love the people I play with, I play it because I love the game itself and then tournaments happen every now and then and they're fun.
0: So do you have like friends, a circle of friends whom you go out and play golf with?
1: Oh yeah yeah, so the golfing community is a really closed community. So uh, I have a bunch of, uh, it's growing, it's actually growing but, uh, and, but it's across the world. So I have, we have friends all over and uh, we try and meet and play golf every now and then. Uh, within Bombay there are a bunch of us who kind of get together and play. So yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a good group. It's a good community Okay, now who's your favorite golf player? Ah, Tiger Woods No question. Okay. No question. So he I think and I, I think it goes back to him as a professional athlete and him as a sports person He changed the face of golf right. um, He uh, he redefined uh, athletic ability—he redefined, uh, you know, uh, how shots can be played. Uh, he redefined the entire game of golf, the professional game of golf, by bringing in the prize money, bringing in the viewers, bringing in, making the game a lot more popular. So I think he's done a huge amount for the game. He's just one of those rare uh, talents that the game has. So,
0: yeah. Any other interests that you'd want to, uh, you know, pursue, or is there any other interest that you'd want to dedicate your time to, uh, but you haven't been able to do so, but you will be very much interested to, if it weren't for constraints of time? Yeah,
1: there are are a couple. I think. I think um, uh, I I love teaching. Uh, Teaching. uh, So I I teach a couple of courses at a number of different management institutes every now and then. Mm -hmm. Um, Favorite subject. Uh, Mostly, it's either strategy or it is marketing. Um, uh, So basically marketing, uh, theory marketing strategy uh, or communication strategy. I don't do enough of it as a I, I always enjoy it mm-hmm. and every time I do it I say, you know, I should do more of it a little bit. I I think just it's just a time commitment thing which prevents me from doing it. It's also much harder than it looks. So that's I have huge respect <laughs> uh, I, I have huge respects for the professors who actually do this day in and day out. It's it's hard work teaching a bunch of bright kids, so uh, <laughs> they ask you questions you never thought of. But I enjoy it. So that's one thing that I'd love to do.
0: Revisiting um you know, work-life balance, uh, work-life integration, how important do you think it is that, you know, corporate culture is also woven around this philosophy of work-life uh, flexibility or integration, whatever you may call it, and what are the initiatives, are there any initiatives that have been undertaken by gender? Yeah,
1: so I think in terms of uh, work-life balance for the organization, I think, uh, uh, it starts really with the culture, right? It starts from a tone at the top where uh, uh, you know, it's okay to take a day off on your birthday. It's okay to take a personal day, right? It's uh, um, it's okay to kind of leave at 4 o'clock one day if, or even earlier if you're having a rubbish day and then come back the next day. Uh, and I think the key is really making sure that the first step is that people recognize that uh, their personal time is uh, important as well. And uh, we will flex as an organization. I think General Mills is very, very good at doing that. It's very good at saying, look, uh, here's the work that needs to get done, and I'm empowering you, and you've got the freedom to kind of go out and figure out how to make that happen. Uh, so I think that's the starting point that uh, really works. I think the second point uh, that uh, really helps is uh, uh, we we believe uh, in uh, a fair amount of kind of uh, uh, you know sports, and we encourage our, our our team to kind of go out and get active. So we sponsor a number of marathons within Bombay and across the country, and uh, we encourage our uh, employees, and a lot of them do kind of form teams, corporate teams, and kind of go out and run. Uh, we do cricket tournaments, we do a whole bunch of kind of uh, different things, uh, down to kind of, you know, uh, Xbox, uh, FIFA matches <coughs> within, the, within the team, uh, within the organization. Uh, so it's important. One of the things that uh, I do, for example, uh, which I, uh, is uh, i've been st- i've got a putting mat in my office and uh, uh, you know when i'm i'm stressed or when i'm uh, generally grumpy or whatever it is i go out and putt uh, so uh, a few balls and that kind of de-stresses me mm-hmm. now that's that's the way i kind of de-stress a little bit but i think what that allows me to do is also bring my authentic self to life mm-hmm. i think that's critical work life balance because i think the the underlying assumption is that work is very different and life is very different right, uh, right? but if I can bring my whole self, my authentic self to work and life, uh, then the, it begins to fade away a little bit. So there it is, and, I, and it's okay for me to kind of go out and goof off a little bit, uh, which also kind of uh, sends this message to the organization that it's okay and it is indeed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how we think about this concept in general.
0: As a leader, Salil, apart from being responsible for yourself, you know, and setting up an example, leading the life uh, leading your life the way you do, you also have a responsibility towards your team, isn't it? The people that you work with, their their dreams. How do you keep that alive? Um with the way you know the then you also have the entire overarching uh, the corporate uh, vision that you have. So you need to take everybody together and move. As a leader, how do you deal with that kind of responsibility? Uh, I, I think it
1: um it becomes really simple
0: if you kind of keep
1: a couple of principles in mind, which is at the end of the day, um, uh, I don't do much, mm-hmm. uh, I really don't sell anything, mm-hmm. I'm really not putting together stuff with my hands or making the delicious food. Uh, so my job then really becomes to take care of the people, Right. right? so it's the people first. So my job really is all about serving the people that I work for, mm-hmm. making sure that um, they really achieve three things in life. I mm-hmm. think the first one is they feel like they're having an impact, mm-hmm. right? Whether you're a millennial, whether you've been working for the last 30 years, uh, all this, you know, this newfangled jargon of millennials want to have an impact is nonsense. Everybody wants to have an impact, so it's important that they do that. Um, I think the second one is that they feel that they're learning something mm-hmm. every day, every month. I think the third one is they feel like they're having fun. Mm-hmm. So if I as I kind of think about my role, it's really to make sure that my organization feels like they're having an impact, feels like they're learning every day, feel like they're having fun. And then I think that's when you get great ideas. That's when you get people willing to go the extra mile. That's when you, and that's when the profits come. Exactly. Right? And Jim Boxdale of Netscape said that once, and I may be misquoting him a little bit here, but he basically said, uh, you've got to put people, products, and profits in that order. Hmm. Right? And that's the only way to kind of run a successful business. I genuinely think that's true. So I think that responsibility then becomes much easier Mm -hmm. because my job then is to take care of my people and that's the way I think we think about this
0: in Right. Any goals that you set for yourself uh, you know professionally for the near term uh, future?
1: No. So to be honest with you I'm enjoying the job that I have. This is and I tell people this all the time uh, this is the best job I've ever had and I don't think it's ever been a case where I've gone out and consciously said you know I want this role, or I want to get to whatever VP at this level. Uh, I think the, so. It's not, it's not that I don't want to move up, it's not that I'm not ambitious, it's just that I don't have a particular role. I think it's a set of experiences uh, that you want to get. And I think it's how much you're enjoying the job at any given point in time that's really important. And I'm really enjoying my role right now. So That's
0: terrific to know, Salil. Um, now we'll wrap it up with this one question. What are you committed to keep alive within you? You know, and uh, perhaps pass that on as a... Like, right,
1: I'd say uh, two things. I'd say the sense of curiosity. And I think um, there I probably have more to learn from my son than he has to learn from yeah, me. Sure. Uh, he's he, he asks a million questions all the time. He's genuinely curious. And, uh, you know, sometimes... Um, uh, you know, they, they say in a beginner's minds uh, uh, there are many possibilities and in an expert's minds there are few. Uh, and he has so many possibilities in his heads, right? So, I have a lo- so actually there's something I want to learn from him. So that's the first one. I think the second one is just that commitment to keeping yourself healthy. I think that's uh, super important, I mean everything else kind of becomes nothing, right? It becomes da- dust. If you're not healthy enough to kind of enjoy it, and uh, I think that's, that's super important. I love the fact that more people right now are realizing this, taking more... I mean, you look at our community here in Bombay and the number of runners who kind of doing the marathon, a number of people you see walking, it's just going up day on day, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Versus even five or ten years ago, and that's fantastic. More people are kind of getting that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important.
0: Is that a daily ritual you follow so little in terms of your in wellness as in one thing that you can't get on without doing?
1: To feel good? Okay, so um, I need my coffee in the morning. <laughs> I need my multiple cups of coffee uh, throughout my day. I think uh, uh, my team knows not to have a deep conversation with me in the morning until I had my first cup of, <laughs> cup of coffee so they're very clear about, about that but yeah so uh, yeah that's 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 really important to me Okay.
0: when you look back you know at your journey until this day this point uh, what amazes you the most
1: well so many things um I think uh I, I, I never expected to be, when I started off doing what it is that I'm doing right now, I never expected to be running a marathon, I never expected to, uh, I don't know, I, 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 it, all, all of it sometimes I look back and say, well, what's really, when did this happen? Uh, so I find it hard to kind of, uh, and I think mostly the amazement comes because it wasn't something that... Uh, I planned for or, or targeted for. You're know, trying to achieve a certain local maxima, and then things happen, and that's that's always nice.
0: Thank you, Salil. Um, like I see, my takeaway from this is, or like you said about you know the ardent pursuit of possibilities. I see you as that. Your single-minded focus in terms of um, you know the various possibilities, be it in your personal or in your professional space. That is. Uh, that you've achieved so much in such a short span of time my congratulations to you um, We had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. I enjoyed this. Thanks very much